You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Screamcast episode 154. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Stephanie Crawford. Hello. Joining us uh, on three hours of sleep because he stayed up all night at the Florida Film Festival or some shit. Uh, Brad Henderson is back uh, again. Oh man, it's it's so I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're back, baby. <laughs> this is what we've been missing right here. Full, full force. <laughs> well, thank you all so just, for what? What were you uh, going to say? Go ahead. Go well, ahead I, was, I was, well, I was going to say um, just to give the audience an idea, you know, the Florida Film Festival now is pretty much over and I've been doing that for the past few days. And um, last night was the midnight shorts and we were there until very, very late. So I am doing this episode on what maybe like four hours of sleep, something like that. And then the night night before that, I uh, we did summer of '84 as a midnight, and uh, I didn't get home until like four, and then had to get up at eight. So for the past <laughs> 48 hours, like eight hours of sleep total. So perfect, perfect. That's not going to affect the show at all. We promise. Today we will be talking about 1985's. HBO TV movie Blackout. We'll then be talking about Crossworlds from 1996 and then move into our feature presentation, Brad's favorite movie of all time, class of 1999. You know, it's funny. It's my favorite movie of uh, of all time, but it's taken us like five years to cover it. <laughs> well, now it's on Gorgeous Baby Blue. It's ready for us to cover. Um, we got to get some house cleaning out of the way. Need to talk about some club scum. Quick shout out to Blair Regenwetter for winning this month's Club Scum Drawing. Now, Blair is from Canada, so he had initially won the Insidious digital copy, but unfortunately, uh, I guess these digital copies I, don't work, I don't know, cross-country lines even, like Canada. Correct. So uh, Blair is getting a kick-ass uh, care package from Screamcast headquarters uh, Screamcast HQ for those of you who want to sound cooler. So, uh, Blair, expect that, uh, very, very soon. And of course, if you're a member of Club Scum, you can be eligible for these little drawings that I do every now and then. Uh, once a month for sure, we have a drawing for a movie, but uh, there'll be these little fun ones every now and then. Uh, and so next up, I got to give a shout out to three new Club Scum members, Don McPherson. Vizius and then Nathaniel Rivera. So thank you guys for becoming Club Scum members and your membership cards are on the way and you'll be eligible for next month's drawing. With that done, let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> 
of a few things. I finally caught up with my Code Red Blu-ray of Hands of Steel. A Sergio Martino film starring Daniel Green, John Saxton, George Eastman. In 1997, the guardian of the future is much more than a man. This movie's pretty awesome. I'd never seen it before. All I knew was kind of maybe like a Terminator knockoff, um, which it kind of sort of is maybe as far as like our lead character is concerned, uh, who is very deadly with his hands, by the way. But this is a very fun kind of Italian uh, film. I, I was expecting more of a like a ripoff film like the Italian movies are. Maybe it, it's a conglomerate of a lot of uh, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic sci-fi at the time ton of fun the soundtrack kicks ass and it looks uh looks pretty fantastic on this code red blu-ray i know that uh, 88 films put this out as well if you're in the uk yeah i haven't seen that in quite some time i think i picked up that blu-ray too i had it on vhs for years but if i remember watching on vhs i don't know if i liked it on uh i don't know if i i don't remember liking it it gets bad shit near the end which makes up for a lot of uh stuff but i mean you know, if you've seen enough of these, they're always get that confused with that with that movie where that kid like builds like robots hmm. and they like follow him around and uh, kill people and shit. <laughs> there's a there's there's some there's a movie like that. And I can't I can't I don't know if it's it was Italian or or what, but there's uh yeah, wish I could remember the name of it. Hmm. But yeah, it's I always get those two confused. Well, this was this was not that. Basically, he is uh, he is sent to assassinate uh, some leader, and he botches the assassination because he has kind of a self realizing uh, moment where he doesn't want to go. He goes against his programming, so he's on the run from the government, and meets up with this uh, hot blonde at a truck stop, who's running the truck stop uh, slash hotel. Where people only spend a couple hours in the in the hotel rooms, if you know what I'm saying, and uh, she may or may not think that he's hunky and uh, hot, and she may or may not fall in love with him as well. There you go. All right, let's move along. Next, I watched a film called "The Girl with All the Gifts," and this is uh, I was just like, well, this is just some zombie movie with a kid starring Glenn Close. You know, for some reason, she's kind of dragging the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I wasn't expecting very much, but I absolutely loved this flick. I think it was a really great take on the zombie theme where these it is very similar, Brad, to like the Maze Runner thing where they're trying to get a cure from kids. So these kids are in this kind of classroom setting and you kind of get the you, you get to realize that they're being, uh, you know, taken away from the, from the group, uh, one by one every now and then for experiments. They're trying to find a cure. Uh, shit goes down. Zombies, of course, attack the compound. And one of the girls, our main girl, Sania Nanua is the, is the actress's name. Um, she's fantastic, uh, in this. She escapes along with some of the soldiers uh, and then things go on from there. I don't want to spoil anything about this film. And if you've kind of seen this, the cover, like it just looks like another kind of a zombie film uh, crushed with like Hannibal <laughs> because of the mask that she's wearing. But uh, I really, really dug this flick. I think it was uh, well acted and there were a few tense moments. I like their take on zombies in this flick. And it was very refreshing because I was expecting just kind of a 
generic run of the mill film. Uh, have you guys, any of you guys seen this? Yeah, I did. A lot of people love girls. Still the guest, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, how I was not, I didn't like it, <laughs> but I mean, I'm definitely in the minority on that because I know a lot of people that dig that movie. Yeah. I think if you're sick of zombie flicks, if you're kind of, you know, if you're sick of walking dead or whatever, like, I think this is a good little, a fresh, uh, dose of, uh, the zombie thing. And I feel like it was, uh, original enough. And the, the lead actors, uh, is just so great. And, um, and, uh, it's, and it's refreshingly R rated. So not that R rating means a good movie. The movie's good. Uh, God damn it. That's not what I mean. Are you one of those anti PG? No, 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 no. It is with a zombie flick. You're going to expect like some gore and you know what I mean? Like they don't shy away from that. And that's, that's what I mean. Like, it's all in context, but no, you, an R rating does not make a good film. I'm not one of those guys. Um, speaking of, uh, this next flick is PG 13 and I love the hell out of it. Uh, it is happy death day. This is a Bloomhouse produced film. Uh, it is basically a horror take on groundhogs day, uh, and you know, edge of tomorrow and source code. There's some other ones to, uh, triangle is another good, uh, kind of time loop film about a girl who wakes up and she keeps repeating the day of her murder until she basically figures out what happened. Um, when I first heard that plot, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Groundhog Day. Uh, it's funny. Groundhog Day even gets a reference in this flick, which is pretty funny. But um, I thought that uh, it was really, really fun. Really funny. Uh, Jessica Roth is fantastic. Kind of the journey she takes through this movie. The character has an arc and it's great. Um, and it was, uh, just a really fun watch. And it was actually one of those, a film that I was like, maybe my wife would like to see this. And then she watched it and loved it too. So, and a great use of a baby mask. Did she cry? She did. There's one very, very (laughs) touching scene in this film. And it was very effective. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, happy death day. I know a lot of people have seen it. Um, I had kind of, for some reason, been sleeping on it, but uh, really, really dug it. A lot of fun. Check it out if you haven't. That's my doorstep. It's fairly enjoyable. I dug it for what it was. Oh, shit. For what it was. That's my retired term that I try not to use. That was my joke. Screamcast classic <laughs> moments. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the Screamcast classic design mug is in the store over at screamingpods.com slash shop. All right, let's go. Moving on. Who's next? Stephanie, what's on your doorstep? Oh, hey. Okay. I I finally, I've been wanting to see this movie for a long time. I finally got to it. It's uh, Eureka from uh, Nicholas Rogue. Uh, it stars Gene Hackman. It came out in 1983. I've never even heard of that movie from him before. Uh, yeah, it it's 1983, but has that kind of dark, sinewy 1970s feel. But basically, Gene Hackman, uh, he arrives in like a decrepit gold rush town. Like there's frozen corpses everywhere. The gold rush is over. But he lucks out and finds a shitload of gold. And uh, we fast forward and he's ridiculously wealthy and he has a daughter Teresa Russell and she's in love with Rucker Hauer 
and they want to get married. Oh, and there's also a young Mickey Rourke and Joe Pesci in this movie. <laughs> and it's if you're a fan of paranoia films, you want to see Eureka. Uh, Gene Hackman is wonderfully batshit paranoid about everyone trying to steal his money in this. And it's uh, surprisingly gory. I won't give anything away, but there's decapitations. Uh, there's uh, people just getting hacked uh, into pieces and you see all of it. It's a very intense movie. Everything from like the gore to a crazy courtroom scene. Uh, it. I, I went and think it'd be a little classier than it was. It's beautifully <laughs> made. It is a gorgeous, wonderfully written film, but wow, it, it's not fucking around. Yeah, I guess you really don't expect that with Nicholas Rogue all that much. Mm-mm. Uh, so it's, uh, I think, Twilight Time here, and I think uh, Masters of Cinema did it for Region 2. So, so Eureka <laughs> released Eureka. Yes. <laughs> that actually confused me for a long time. I was like, oh, good. Twilight Time did it. I can avoid that. Um, but that was an unexpected surprise. Uh, yeah, let's... I've never even heard of this movie. Joe, Joe Spinell's in it, too, which is. Yeah, cool. he's in it uh, for yeah, about 10 seconds playing a oh. very Joe Spinell uh, role, unfortunately. Yeah. I was excited about that, too, but he's barely in it. No. Um. That's cool. I've never even heard of this movie. Yeah, so that was a fun discovery for me. And let's everything else is streaming that I have. I watched American Fable, which is on Netflix. American Fable. Oh, man, I love American Fable. That movie did not get enough play. Yeah, I was just randomly looking through and it has this beautiful poster of a girl going through a cornfield being followed by this woman in black on a horse. I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, It's written and directed by a woman named Anne Hamilton. It's her first full length film. It came out in 2016. And uh, it's a beautifully shot film. It's mostly in the daytime, but it's about a farm family. Uh, they're dealing with a lot of financial strife. And we see that in glimpses because we're mainly following this young girl. Everything is through her eyes. And I think it's pretty weighty material, but it kind of keeps it from becoming that, well, we're losing the farm. I better murder my wife kind of feeling <laughs> that a lot of these movies have. Um, I really would like people to see this if they haven't. So I don't want to give too much away, but she uh, (laughs) makes an unexpected friendship with a man trapped in a grain silo. And it's a really wonderful look, especially when you look at the title American Fable about how financial instability and secrets can kind of affect an otherwise strong family. Um, and it's set in the 1980s and it, I really like that setting mm-hmm. or that time period for this kind of story. Cause it seems people like to stick with more like the dust bowl era. So it's interesting to see it in a more modern setting. Nice. So this is on Netflix. I can't find anything on Netflix these days other than like, comedy specials and like a bunch of tv series like i I have a hard time finding 
good films. I don't know if I've like somehow messed up the algorithm by with my wife watching stuff on my account or what, but yeah, create different accounts. Yeah, it sucks because that was um you know it was a DVD only from IFC as well, and I was like pretty bummed about that. And it played at um it played at South by Southwest a few years ago. And uh, Peyton Kennedy, the little girl that's in the movie, she's she's outstanding. She was really good in um, the short in the feature uh, that XX, that all-female directed uh, horror mm-hmm. anthology. Oh, yeah. And she's yeah. on the Netflix show Everything Sucks now. Oh, yeah. such she, a good show that got canceled. God damn it. Yeah, she's, um, she's really great. But yeah, the... And it was weird because I saw the movie and it's like really solid, but no one fucking saw it. No one was talking about it. The only person I think had seen talk about it online, I think, was Patrick Bromley, maybe. I know that he said something about it. And I was like, oh, cool. At least somebody's watching that movie because I I really enjoyed it. Um, But it's just it didn't catch on. um, And I just thought it was just a, a good family drama. Um, with some kind of like, it almost had some, like some nightmarish stuff going on, which was mm-hmm. kind of neat. But um, yeah, yeah, it's movie. not it's not like a full out horror film. It's definitely no, no. a sleeper. Um, yeah, I mean, I can understand why everyone was talking about 1922 being a Stephen King property and everything, but I thought this was much better. I couldn't help kind of thinking about them both when I was watching it. Huh. So, yeah, if you have Netflix, I would definitely check that one out. Very nice. And then uh, moving on, uh, I finally got around to watching The Perfect Host with David Hyde Pierce. That's, that's surprisingly good movie. It, well, I wasn't surprised, but <laughs> I, it's David Hyde Pierce. Why were you surprised? Because it's David Hyde Pierce. Wow. Okay, not a creature head, I guess. Oh my goodness. Is this the one where he's like holding up like the wine glass? Yeah. Big poster. Okay. I've been wanting to watch this and every time I'm like, I just don't know. So how was it? How was it, Stephanie? We will ignore Brad. I want to hear what you think. (laughs) It was pretty great. Um I I think just from the cover alone, you don't get a big twist. I mean, even from the title, The Perfect Host, like you have a guy, he he's on the lam from a bank robbery and he finally makes his way into David Hyde Pierce's house uh, and he's about to throw a dinner party. And they're, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, my friend, sure, come in, you can wait here. Uh, and they have this pretense going uh, and then it quickly falls apart. And we get pulled into this very intricately constructed uh, mental insanity. And I I just, the two actors, uh, David Hyde Pierce, which I would like to get points every time I say his name now, <laughs> and Clayton Crawford, who I'm not uh, familiar with, um, they, they play off each other so well. And it's not written in a way where... Either one is stupid and they get the upper hand that way. They're pretty evenly matched. They come from very different backgrounds, but it's evenly matched. And it's this kinds of twist where the enjoyment of the movie, it's not predicated on the twists. Like you can, 
most uh, movie watching people, they'll probably see a lot of the beats coming, but I don't think that takes away the enjoyment because it's just so well done and it's so well performed. It has some very darkly funny moments. It has some really weird, tense, creepy moments. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Was this on Netflix? Uh, this was Shudder. Oh, Shudder. Oh, okay. A little bit different. Uh, pacing is the Alchemist Cookbook. Also from 2016. Um, that was on Shutter. Have you guys seen it? I have yeah, not. I'm I've a heard of <clears throat> Big fan of that uh, director. Yeah, it, I heard about it on. Oh, crap. I shouldn't bring it up if I can't remember. The, is it The Core? The show on Shutter? Yeah, I believe it. The, the one that, that with all like the little cameos of directors and stuff. Yeah. Mickey Keating is part of that, yeah. So basically, it's a two-person cast. Wow. But it it's mainly uh, this one guy. Uh, it's played by uh, Ty Hickson, who's incredible in it. So we're not really given a setup of who he is. Um, we just see this young guy in a trailer in the middle of nowhere. Um. And he's concocting things, but we're not really sure what he's working on. <laughs> and uh, as time goes, uh, his friend visits him and he brings him some supplies. Um, and we were basically told that he's completely cut himself off from society. Um, he's not paying bills anymore. He's not living at his house anymore. He has this one connection. And then we we slowly see that there's uh, some demonic summoning <laughs> coming in. It it's this incredibly slow build. It's a very quiet movie. We're just following this one guy, and it's one guy, so we're not we don't have a lot of dialogue. And even when his friend comes in, he barely wants to talk to him. Again, I'm not the most plot driven movie fan. I'm not against them, but if something's a great character study, that's what tends to get me. And the Alchemist Cookbook is one of the best ones I've seen in recent years. Again, it's it's not one where I want to give it away, but I can't I can't really offhand think of a movie that's anything like this. There there is some gore there. Especially towards the end, there are some horror conventions, but mostly we're just seeing like this really, he seems like a very sharp, intelligent young man lose it. But it's not one of those, um, oh, the madness is seeping in, I'm slowly losing myself kind of things. It's surrendering yourself to one, to a completely unusual way of life, just I'm sorry, I'm doing a terrible job of describing <laughs> this, but it's it's tough to describe. <laughs> the, yeah. the, the director's movies are hard to describe. I did it on the last show. It's yeah. it's have, very difficult. We have a um we have a review on the website um from Derek um from Fantasia Film Festival. And he wrote it up there. Okay, yeah. great. Read that instead, because I sound like an idiot. So I'll just say it's <laughs> incredibly unique, very well made. 
if if you're okay with devoting the time to it, you really need to pay attention to it. This isn't a background movie. You kind of just need to let yourself seep into the isolation of this movie and let yourself buy into this journey. It's wonderful. Uh, I was very happily surprised by it. So it's the Alchemist Cookbook, and it's on Shudder right now. You should watch um, Buzzard if you haven't seen. Is that, that from yet. the same guy? Yeah, it's okay. Definitely super weird. Yeah, and I just saw great um, looking film too. Not a yeah, his, not his really movies much are super well polished, and that like even though there's not a lot going on, like. Um, like he's, I don't know. Like in Buzzard, there, like there's like like a 15 minute scene of a guy eating spaghetti, but it's the most interesting <laughs> shot of the movie. Um, yeah, and that's not a joke. Like it goes on for no. At that's least the kind of thing down. I can buy into if it's yeah. well done. That shit's fascinating. Yeah. And his new movie just played at South by. It's called Relaxer, and it's about and it's one location where a guy sits on a couch and tries to beat uh, Billy Mitchell's uh, Pac-Man score, <laughs> which was. Spoiler, hey, timely right for real now. Life. <laughs> Billy <laughs> Mitchell's Can bullshit. Spoilers for real life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, any, so Derek Smith has a great write up on our on the website. Uh, just type in Alchemist Cookbook into the search bar, and his article will show up there. And he also has links to uh, some uh, stuff uh, regarding the other. Um, he has a review on about Buzzard on his other website as well. So some good stuff there over at thescreamcast.com. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Brad. Yes. Go. <laughs> okay. Um, what can I talk about here? I should have been prepared and doing throw that. Throw out a couple things so we can get to our yeah. What do you uh, like? Our, our main or something? <clears throat> Come on, man. Yeah. What was I? What was I watching for like the past like three years? Um. <laughs> uh, so, all right, I can talk about a few things. Um, I saw. I don't. Did we? Any, did anybody talk about Veronica yet? I don't think so. So I watched um, Veronica. It was. Um, I'm a fan of uh, Paco Paco Plaza, and uh, I, can't, I always can't remember the guy's first name, but uh, Baliergo is two uh, directors from REC Films. Well, REC 1 and 2, and then uh, I think they did separate projects for 3 and 4. But yeah, it's, uh, t- together, I always compare them together because, you know, the movies are very, uh, I don't know, It's it's those directors are definitely in each other's minds. And so whenever I see one, it's hard to tell which one is which. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, far as directing, because I think they both have like this sense of, you know, just style. They're just they're they're in each other's heads. But this one was uh, directed by uh, Paco Plaza. Um, it, it was it's weird how these movies are like popping up and getting uh, a lot of uh, a lot of. I don't know, just just advertising through viral videos, uh, like on Facebook and everything like that. This one did. It was uh, known as like 
people are getting 15 minutes into this movie and turning it off. That was like the big thing for, for this <laughs> movie. It's just like this article, like Buzzfeed, like put out something like this is the scariest movie of all time. And honestly, it's kind of cool that that happens. Cause a lot of people are taking that bet. Uh, I could tell you right now it is, you will not turn it off because it's too scary. Um, but it's, it's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun movie. Um, it's got a lot of effective uh, sequences. Maybe it's not the strongest uh, Paco Plaza film as far as like you know getting in there and and being scary or I guess you could say clever. It's loosely based on a on a true story, um, but um, yeah, it's it's fine. I would actually suggest watching uh, you know is standalone rec film or uh there's one movie that he did that didn't get a lot of play that was a made for tv movie over in spain uh it's perfect for uh, a christmas uh, uh rotation it's called a christmas tale and it's about these uh kids that um find this uh convict like in in a hole and uh they mess around with with her until something terrible happens, and well, basically she gets out and hunts down the children. But um, <laughs> it's really, really good because uh, I think it's Santa Claus. So she's dressed in this Santa Claus outfit, and she's got like a bag. Like um, I think it's got some got some stuff in it, and uh, she gets out and she goes after the kids. But yeah, a lot of fun. Um, the director it's, himself is, I think, he's interesting. So. There's Veronica. It's on Netflix. Um, got around to watching the the Foreigner. So Jackie Chan is like in his fucking sixties, and he is still um, just kicking ass. I, I talked about that one kung fu yoga movie that he did uh, the other, <laughs> like last year or whatever. <laughs> and um, you know, it was just it's just Jackie Chan doing his thing. But you know, the Foreigner, I was really interested in. Because um, from the trailer, Jackie Chan is not making any jokes, and he's not being that bubbly Jackie Chan. Like he's being, he's being very, very for real, and that's exactly what it is. And I don't really recall how many movies I've seen with 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 Jackie Chan where he's being a very serious actor, as far as like not telling jokes and doing all his, uh, you know. Uh, Kung Fu, uh, you know, like Rumble in the Bronx and, you yeah. know, Mr. Nice Guy and stuff like that. So uh, this is directed by uh, Martin Campbell, who is, you know, one of the best, uh, you know, action directors out there, I would say. Uh, very big, like in, you know, the, the 90s, did uh, a horror film called Cast the Deadly Spell. It's really great. Uh, did No Escape, which we talk about every once in a while on the show. Uh, the Owen Wilson movie or the really good HBO straight the the HBO sci-fi movie no the, the HBO <laughs> sci-fi movie the good one well they're both um, good in their own way so but anyways the... <laughs> yeah it's just a fucking very straightforward um, Jackie Chan um, is involved in a uh, terrorist attack that takes someone close to him uh, away and he basically is old and uh, sad and you just took the only thing away from him that he is actually living for, and 
he turns out to be, you know, of course, is Jackie Chan. So he's got some kind of military background in the movie. And he just goes full force after these people for for names of the people that killed his um, uh, one thing that he had going for him. Um, and Jackie Chan's doing his fucking own stunts at like 60 some years old. And it's very entertaining. It's got a really cool plot. Um, you know, a lot of twists and turns in the story. So it's not a very straightforward, uh, you know, revenge movie. There's a lot more going on. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is really great in it. Um, but yeah, just all around good movie, great soundtrack. Um, you know, very, uh, lower key action scenes with Jackie Chan, which I like. He still does his thing, but it's not like grand scale. Like this is unbelievable that this 60 year old man is doing this. Uh, but you know, when he needs to pull, uh, his moves out, he does. And they're, uh, really exciting. Awesome. Yeah. I've been wanting to check this out. I, it's right there in my pile looking at me. So let me get to this. Um, and that might be. It that I've um, I've seen. I don't know if there's too much. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot that I can talk about other than that. I saw Jumaji and hated that, but I know everybody loves <laughs> it, up. so I'll just keep my mouth <laughs> you don't shut. Like fun. But, uh, <laughs> wow. No, I do. That just that movie doesn't have it. Oh, wow! I I like it. Yeah, I, I, I went with my family. We had a blast. So. All it right. was sad because Willow was like really excited to show it to me because she like saw it. And she was like, "Hey, you know, watch this." And I, I, we were watching it, and um, you know, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to. I didn't want to, you know, hurt her feelings. I was curious about that if she's really excited about something like this is crap, Willow. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I let it slip because. She had to go to the bathroom or something, and I hit pause. And I felt like we were watching the movie like for three hours, and there was still an hour left. And I just <laughs> said, "There's an hour fucking left in this." <laughs> oh, no. And she turns around, she goes, "What does that mean?" And I said, <laughs> "I said I don't want to watch this for another hour." And I was, she was just like, "Whatever, I'm, I'll be right back." <laughs> and so I, I finished it, but man. No. Josh Obershaw joins us now to bring us the Blu-ray news. Josh, what's up, man? Hey, Sean. How's it going? Going good. So it's been a little bit, so uh, and I think there's been a lot of announcements. So what's what's been going on, man? Just coming in this morning, we got some surprise title announcements from Screen Factory. They're putting out Two of William Castle's uh, classics. One is The Tingler with Vincent Price and Straight Jacket starring Joan Crawford. Nice. Both of these are coming out on August 21st. Uh, the extras haven't been announced yet, so we'll probably be hearing more about these two during the summertime. Oh, and speaking of Scream Factory, we're getting more Carpenter. Yeah. We're getting his uh, TV movie, Someone's Watching Me. We're getting a collector's edition of In the Mouth of Madness. I am so glad I didn't buy the New Line Blu-ray. Yeah, I, th- I think I'll buy it for like five bucks. This will be a, a no-brainer, you know, repurchase for me. Oh, totally. And last but certainly not least, at least in my opinion, is Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yes. 
I don't care what anybody says. I really like that movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun, sweet little movie. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a fan. It's uh, I think it's available streaming somewhere in HD. So I'm really happy that they're going to be kind of giving it a little bit of treatment. Yeah, totally. And uh, it was also the first Carpenter movie that I saw on big screen, by the way. <laughs> what a way to start. I also noticed something else, too. Both Memoirs and In the Mouth of Madness, those are Warner Brother titles. I know yeah. in the mouth. I know in the mouth of madness is uh it was uh, produced by New Line, but it's owned by Warner Brothers. So hmm. I thought that was interesting too because Warner Archive usually handles this type of stuff. But I think I mean it looks like Screen Factor is at least just trying to com- compile all of Carpenter's stuff onto their label for for some reason. Oh, and bless them too for that. Oh yeah. Okay, what else we got? Let's a uh, couple of. Quick tidbits. Uh, Universal is putting out The Strangers Prey at Night on June 12th. And we also have a, uh, a new player in the game. There's a new company called Dark Force Entertainment. They are um, domestic U.S. And uh, their first title that they're prepping for Blu-ray in the coming months, it's going to be 1990's Mirror Mirror. Oh, are you serious? I am serious. Those of you who are Splatcast fans, that one mega episode we did... With the Splat House, uh, we did cover the entire Mirror Mirror <laughs> filmography. Yeah, it's only the first Mirror Mirror that, that that has been announced. I don't know about any of the sequels. It's the best one. It's the best one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll have some uh, more updates on that as soon as they come in. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, Arrow June titles. We're getting another Abel Ferreira picture, 1995's The Addiction. That is going to be coming out in the U.S. on June 26, and the U.K. folks are getting that the day before. Uh, let's see, The Quiet Earth, that's going to be a U.K.-only title. That one comes out on June 18th. Vigil, that's a U.S.-U.K. release, the 11th and 12th. Another U.K. uh only release this is one's called jake speed i've never seen this movie before but this is one of those titles that i remember seeing the uh the the vhs back in the day and let's see last but not least for the month of june from arrow they're releasing the complete sartana it's a box set of i believe this is a spaghetti western film series that is coming out in the u.s on the 26th of june and in the uk the day before so there is your Arrow package. And we've got some updates from our sponsor, Vinegar Syndrome. Their entire May package has been revealed. And we also have an important May pre-order info. This concerns the, um, the Halfway to Black Friday sale that we've mentioned a couple of times. But first, here's the rundown of the entire May package. We mentioned Sweet Sweetback's badass song. Next up, her name was Lisa. This is by um, a guy, Roger Watkins, who directed The Last House on Dead End Street. This is actually a porno. I've seen the trailer for this. It looks insane. And next, they're also going to be putting out Bloodsuckers from Outer Space. And their DVD-only titles are going to be Naughty Girls Need Love Tube and a double feature of The Seduction of Cindy and Terra, 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 Terra. Now, about that important May pre-order info, 
if you're going to be uh, pre-ordering the May stuff and taking part in the uh, the halfway to Black Friday sale, there's going to be an option where you can hold off shipping of your May pre-orders until after the sale so that everything you buy gets shipped at the same time. So that's a heads up for you. And now, and again, the halfway to Black Friday sale is going to be Memorial Day weekend, May 25th through the 28th. Nearly everything in the catalog is going to be 50% off. And so, oh, they also have a, uh, sorry, they also have a, a new catalog in the works too. So that's from uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Now, what else have we got? Let's see there. Oh, yes. Here is the most exciting news for you this time around, and it comes courtesy of Lionsgate. There are two more entries in the Vestrum video series coming this summer. The first one, Stuart Gorton's Dagon. Yeah. I am so, so happy for this release. It, I've been waiting for this one on Blu-ray for a long time, and uh, – this one has brand new cover art and it looks fantastic. So just go look that up online. It, it is. Wow. It's amazing. There's going to be a discussion with Stuart Gordon interviewed by Mick Garris. There's new interviews. There's uh, audio commentary. This one's going to be packed, but do you know what's also going to be packed? It's the other Vestrum video release coming on that same day, which is July 24th. It's beyond reanimator. <laughs> the trilogy is finally complete. <laughs> I'm pumped, man. I'm glad to have, I'll have all those. Uh, Umbrella Entertainment's also doing like a, a trilogy package. I'm not sure if it's going to be region free or not. But uh, yeah, reanimator is, uh, I mean, there's a billion releases, I think, of reanimator. Uh, but oh, yeah. It'll be fun to have all three of these on, on Blu-ray. And that Vestron one looks stacked. Oh, it, it, it does. There's a whole bunch of new stuff, plus an audio commentary with director Brian Usna. The Umbrella edition was announced first, and a lot of people were just a little disappointed because Beyond Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator are going to be a double feature, and the original film is going to be its own Blu-ray. And like you said, it, there's no word if it's going to be region-free or not. So this release right here from Vestron – that that is a welcome because I already have you know the collect uh, the limited editions of Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator yeah. from Arrow, so I I just really wanted this last piece of the puzzle and we're finally getting that this summer, so that's all the news I have, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. it. I mean it it doesn't get any better than Dagon and Beyond Reanimator for no, sure. No, no, our uh, our wallets will continue to empty to the Blu-ray distributor gods. Uh, we thank them and praise them. Uh, as always and forever. Yeah. And let's not forget <laughs> the Carpenter stuff too. Yes. It's going to oh. be a good summer. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. No problem. All right, everybody, let's jump into our first flick. It's time for some VHS. Oh my God. The key. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. Video. Oh my god! Today, 
today we are talking about a 1985 HBO TV movie called Blackout. I think he wants to be stopped. No! He's a good husband and a loving father. He's a time bomb. Is it possible that I could be this Jekyll Hyde? My God. You could still be wrong about Devlin. Your Alan Devlin is my Ed Vincent. There's a real possibility your husband could be Ed Vincent. Anybody here? I mean, surely if something like that is happening to you, you're aware of it. Ed Vincent killed him, just as surely as he killed his own wife and children. Who's to say it can't happen again? Now this There's so many movies called Blackout. It's funny. <laughs> there is. It's like running a, scared. I had a hell of a time trying. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. I had a hell of a time trying to find which. Make sure I was watching the right one, but I, I did find it. If now, you this... accidentally watch the Brian Bosworth movie, you're still cool. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's not the one we we're doing. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Here we go. <laughs> uh, we can talk about that too if we want. Um, this film we'll just has cover a... all the blackout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Black Do we have time? Do we have time? All right, we're not going to talk about anything else, Brad. Sorry, we won't get to class of 1999 today. We're going to talk about blackout. Yeah, it figures. It figures. <laughs> um, so this movie is pretty interesting. Like when it came out in '85, uh, it gained some notoriety. Following, uh, there's a guy named Ed Sherman, and he murdered his pregnant wife on uh, the 3rd of August in 1985 in Connecticut. And they, it was thought that it was possibly inspired by the film, and the film itself was submitted as evidence at his trial. So, like one of the like the character in the film, uh, Sherman killed his wife and used an air conditioner to try to slow down the de- the decomposition of her remains and tried to establish an alibi. And then he was sentenced to 50 years in prison in 1992, but he died a heart attack. He died of a heart attack after serving almost four years. And I guess you can watch this uh, in an episode of The Forensic Files called Dinner and a Movie. An affluent young woman was found dead in her home while her husband was off on a sailing trip. Police uncovered allegations of sex parties and wife swapping. But it was an old movie, an overheard telephone call, and an air conditioner that cracked the case. What? Crazy shit, right? (laughs) Yeah, it looked looked like he was going to get away with it, but I guess someone said, Oh, I ran into Ed at a video store and he recommended Blackout to me. Ed really loved Blackout. He said I should rent this thing. <laughs> actually, I wonder you know, if he, he walked out. Actually, like he taped it on HBO. So it aired, it aired, he taped it and he gave me the tape and said, you really need to watch this. This is great. <laughs> no, but I I read that. That was like what <laughs> ruined it for him. I wonder if he like walked out. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have recommended that one. That's Wait, so <laughs> did the killer say that he got the idea from the movie? 
It was submitted by evidence. I, I don't know. I haven't uh, done any. I want to find out, find this episode of Forensic Files and watch it. Hang on a second. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> anyway, the film. Yeah. I'm sorry, Stephanie, were you going to say something? Well, he didn't say no. This forced me to kill it. It was just the, the air conditioning. Right. Like, the from what I understand, the person who knew them said um, they recommended the I don't it almost seems like a made up thing that he said, <laughs> oh, I recommend this movie. And they watched it and said, wait a second. This seems awfully familiar to what could possibly happen to his wife. But it ended <laughs> right. up on trial and he ended up in prison. So, yeah, I you know what? I think we should break. Go watch the forensic files. Come back. <laughs> figure this out. Okay. Well, this film was directed by Douglas Hickox. You may know him from, uh, he directed Theater of Blood. He also directed Zulu Dawn and uh, Brannigan, the John Wayne flick. Yeah, and he's Anthony's papa who directed uh, Waxwork. And Hellraiser 3. Yeah. Anthony Hickox. I there saw his name. I was wondering if they were brothers, but it's actually his dad. Very cool. nice. Uh, this was also written by David Ambrose, who wrote The Survivor, which uh, it, there's a Blu-ray add on Severin. Uh, it's an okay movie. Uh, he also wrote The Final Countdown. So that, that's on a one of my top movies of all time, The Final Countdown. And then he also wrote Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L, Daryl. Oh, is it a robot then? I think so. Anytime time they write out a name like that, I assume it's a robot. <laughs> yeah, it's something, some eighties, uh, something. It's uh, it's yeah, I remember story. that movie. Yeah, is remember, it about a robot? It's kind of like about a big, a big computer system. Close enough. Thing, you know, AI type thing. I guess I don't know. We're not talking about D A R Y L. Uh, it's a family, it's a PG family movie. I've always, I've never seen it actually, surprisingly enough, but, um, where was I? You, you, we derailed it. Blackout. Blackout. 1985. Directed by. Shit, man. No, he had, he had upset. He, apparently he had a weird obsession with the movie. Huh. So, so he, he must have taped it and watched it multiple times. Uh, of course, starring Keith Carradine, Kathleen Quinlan, and Richard Widemark. Widemark? Widmark. Widmark. Uh, let's go around and talk about our thoughts on uh, the flick. Stephanie, what do you think about Blackout? Well, I don't want to say it's good that this whole murder trial was tied to it because that's obviously horrific. But I don't think this movie would be widely remembered if not <laughs> tied to that. It's a pretty standard uh, TV movie. Well, HBO because they're you know there's some blood. It's it's one of those things where it's so competently made. The only thing I can really say is it's competently made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like the the spooky SNM murder mask, uh, you know, that's pretty unexpected for something that aired as a TV movie. Um, I thought the tension built okay. It dragged a little bit. 
Um, uh, and a lot of parts, it kind of just felt like a soap opera to me. Yeah. Like facial reconstruction and amnesia <laughs> and a lot of that. It's It's not bad at all. And there's some fun moments, especially towards the end. It gets a little slasher movie. But, you know, overall, it's kind of there. Brad? Good cast. Dude, so, like, he apparently... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he recommended (laughs) the movie to somebody, and that's, like, that was his stupid thing. Yeah, that's what what Stephanie said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the episode is on Forensic Files, mm-hmm. or it's um, uploaded on YouTube. It's season eight, episode ten. Um, I'm gonna put yeah, a link in the so, show notes. So everyone can watch season eight, episode yeah, ten. Was, yeah. So he was he he had this weird um, obsession with the movie, and then uh, when that happened, I guess that person came forward and said, "Hey, he recommended this movie," <laughs> um, and they found out he had like a copy of it. And that's what led to, because um, basically it was to, uh, you know, to to throw off, you know, because the, you know, the decomposing of the body, it would have thrown off the time of death. Yeah. So, uh, and that's what, um, I mean, yeah, that he happens. he like hopped the- on a boat and it was like, oh my God, my wife's dead, but I'm on a boat. I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But watch so this like- new blackout. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Wait, have you seen Blackout? <laughs> oh, yeah. my How terrible. Yeah, like, he's, like, under the light, like, investigating. Where were you? Oh, I was on a boat. Um, <laughs> Have you seen a movie, though? <laughs> like, what's your favorite movie, Ed? Right uh, Blackout? Uh, fucking Brian Bosworth accidentally gets uh, you know taken in because they get it confused because they're trying to do a search and they're like, God damn it, there's too many blackout movies. I'll never crack this one. <laughs> they're just having <laughs> screenings of every blackout movie in the fucking forensics department. <laughs> Wait, which one was he referring to? Um. So, anyways, uh, yeah, the movie is one of those things where. Um, I, you know, I was just, you know, doing VHS, VHS hunting and, uh, I saw the cover and I was like, man, I remember that when I was little, I remember that fucking mask on that, um, on that, on that, uh, VHS, but it was something that I never, never rented because it was, I think it wasn't even in the horror section. I think it was like in the drama or thriller. And, um, my mom really, it was so funny my mother she would let me rent movies in the horror section but the drama thriller one was uh off limits because yeah, there could be some had, sexy time yeah there could have been oh. the sex in those movies <laughs> and i was like okay cool um because uh in the horror section and horror movies apparently she did not realize that there is a lot of sex <laughs> and nudity in that um but uh i mean i guess it's more or less you know girls taking their shirts off versus something like, uh, you know, fucking Sharon Stone sliver. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> which I may have um, made out of just got on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> no, sliver is great. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just one of those things. And, uh, you know, a few years ago I, I, I found it and, uh, I was like, Oh shit. Now today's my day. I'm going to watch this. And I actually really enjoyed it. I, it's, you know, kind of trashy. It's kind of uh fever dreamish. It's, uh, 
it's just really, I don't know. It's just, it's just a movie that's there, but it's, you know, it's interesting enough. And, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't like, it, it's, it's a tough movie to recommend because there's, it doesn't have like a shit ton going for it. It's just, uh, you know, it's <laughs> from the, for, I think it's best to show people the cover art and say, Hey, watch this movie. And that's <laughs> how you great, get it. Like yeah. if you explain the yeah. plot and you know, the people, you know, everything that's in it, it's, you know, Oh, okay. that just sounds like another murder mystery movie. Um, but that, that cover like sells the, sells the movie and it was made for TV. So like, it's another one of those things where that's, you know, pretty tame at times, but, uh, it was the eighties. So they got away with a little bit more. Um, yeah, but I enjoy, I enjoy those, uh, those movies. And I, I guess, um, uh, I remember, I think this is something I watched with my mom when I, uh, when I got it on on vhs years ago um when i say years ago i mean like you know 15 15 <laughs> years ago that um, could be considered years ago yeah and that's... then my mom my mom turned me on to um uh, another that's a weird way to start a sentence my mom turned me on <laughs> um my mom because she was always like she's huge like into thrillers and stuff like that uh, apparently, uh, I actually have never seen this movie and I didn't even think about it until now. It was a very popular movie called Jagged Edge. Apparently it's a very similar, uh, movie. And that's another reason why I guess blackout was kind of pushed under the rug. Hmm. Um, oh yeah. I came because with, it was with Jeff Bridges and Glenn Close. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the cover, like with the knife. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, apparently th- that's a better movie, which I wouldn't put it. Uh, past it but um yeah i mean blackouts blackouts are fun if you want like this weird like nugget of a movie that no one has fucking seen then uh blackouts your jam yeah and it's probably like on youtube or some shit yeah, yeah and, it, and it's unfortunate because like the end uh it, since it's like a vhs transfer it's so dark you can't even see anything it's just you know the the end scuffle you know it's just a bunch of noise <laughs> and this is one of those movies like you know, we, we talk, we, you know, we're sitting and we get like, you know, fucking arrow or vinegar syndrome. Hey, we're releasing this movie. And you're like, Oh man, that movie's so weird. I never thought it would have been released on Blu-ray. But I mean, I say that a lot too, but like there's certain movies that I know like may never get a Blu-ray release. That's right. kind of why I wanted to do the VHS segment. It's fucking HBO owns this movie. It's never coming out. Like HBO hasn't fucking released the Hitcher yet, <sighs> so yeah. I highly doubt that Blackout <laughs> is on any list of a made-for-TV <laughs> movie to be released that HBO will license out. Um, and plus, it, it, you know, is the other movie that we we talked about um, uh, a few, uh, well, say a few, probably like a, maybe a year ago on one of the VHS segments is Homewrecker, that uh, computer that takes over. Yeah. Um, that gets jealous of the wife uh, and, or the robot. Yeah. The robot computer that gets jealous. Like that's owned by Paramount fucking Paramount's not going to be fucking releasing, you know, uh, home wrecker on Blu-ray anytime soon. So it's, it's interesting that these movies are out there that just may not have another life after past VHS. Cause they never made it a DVD unless it's like a bootleg, which I've seen a lot of bootlegs of blackout. Um, 
like at cons and stuff. This blackout? So, yeah. Making sure. Yeah. Okay. People definitely know about it. I was just the Spooky Empire. Um, <laughs> there's a guy, even though I don't really agree with him making money off of them, but he he does uh, he does DVDs of uh, of rare rare movies, and they really are. They're really tough to find. Um, but it was funny. I don't know if I ever told this story uh, on on the show. So. One of the very uh, first cons we were doing, um, I was working with, you know, James uh, Vinegar Syndrome. And, uh, you know, we just took a walk, you know, we just like had someone watch the table real quick. I think it was like Mike from Grindhouse or something like that. And James and I took a walk and we walked past this guy and he's there every year or two times a year because Spooky Empire is two times a year. And he had, uh, man, I can't think of the fucking title he had, like Evils of the Night or something like that. Uh, and James, or he had like maybe two or three titles that were Vinegar Syndrome titles. And James just goes up to him <laughs> and takes them off the shelf and goes, these are my movies, these are my movies, and these are my movies. Grabs all the copies and then just walks away. <laughs> like steal, steals them. Um, and I was just like, this is fucking hilarious. Badass. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, uh, this guy, he, I saw a bunch of copies of blackout on his shelf and I was like, holy shit. So, you know, it's definitely being seen by a few people. Um, it's just, I think that's the one way to keep this one alive. Yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I wish it yeah. was, I wish it was a more exciting film. So for me, not, it, it, it did kind of drag not, on it has moments of that are cool, but, um, and, and it's surprising. It was, it was somewhat tame since as it was like an HBO film. I figured, you know, there's a little bit of blood, but there's nothing too graphic in this film. You know what I mean? It felt, yeah. I was like, is this, is this like an NBC, you know, TV movie? Cause if, yeah, felt, I, I, I don't know if HBO, I think HBO maybe picked it up later they on. May have, yeah. And, you know, they put it on there. Um, actually I can see the VHS from my, I'm kind of curious if it's big among uh, true crime aficionados. Maybe. That may be why. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. So the people that originally. Yeah, so this is not. um, I mean, it may have premiered on um, HBO or something, but this is. I've never even heard of this label for uh, um, VHS, but I have it here, and it's um, Fox Hills Video. Hmm. is the label that released it and it doesn't say anything distributed by fox hills video the division of heron communications maybe so you have this a bootleg actually, no no this is this is <laughs> legit no um but yeah this is uh there's actually nothing mentioning about hbo so <laughs> it maybe hbo put it on you know, bought the rights to it and then put it on, um, put it on their channel and bought the rights from Fox yeah, Hills. Probably. But I've never even heard of that VHS label before, so that's crazy. Because usually, I mean, it's something at least you know a uh, heard of label, even if they're small, like Ivy or yeah, you know, something like that. But I'm so, looking. At, it looks like they did a lot of football, but also <laughs> some Argento. Oh, I mean, huh. but those those movies at those like, times, like, I, like or gen, some of the slasher and stuff. sports. It it seems literally football and slashers. <laughs> yeah, 
that's pretty weird. It's funny. See, right. Some of that stuff, I mean, those labels would just release stuff without rights because they really didn't have to worry about international stuff sometimes. So a lot of people released fucking Italian films on their label or create a label just to release. Yeah. You know, one movie, which is weird. But yeah, if you get a chance to see it, it's just one of those. I Because I like movies that, you know, if someone comes to me and says, hey, this movie isn't the greatest, but like it's never really been seen or like hasn't went past VHS. I will watch that over fucking Infinity Gauntlet War. <laughs> so I, I would rather watch 10 movies like Blackout than sit in the theater watching Captain America die. So spoiler yeah. alert. What? All right. So, we can, we can no move. We can watched, move along. Uh, we can move along. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a fun curiosity. And I mean, movies like this with the history, it's always fun to have like a Blu-ray or even a DVD with supplemental material to learn about the history of this film. And, and this compared, com, uh, this combined with the forensic file stuff makes it for a very interesting kind of discovery. I, I think, and it almost, you know, like with most things, um, like this kind of enhances the viewing experience a little bit. So once I found that out, it was more, you know, I was like, Oh, okay, well, I'm glad I've seen it now, you know? So, um, so yeah, yeah. Check this out. I, I would, I would recommend do a little pairing, watch the forensic files episode and then give this a watch. And that'll be a fun little, uh, true crime evening. That's really weird though. I've never even heard like, that's very interesting. Let's jump in to some stream screams. Nate, wake up. There's something very important. I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me. Scream. Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. Today we are talking about 1996's Cross Worlds, directed by Krishna Rayo in his only feature film. When Joe Talbot saw her, he had no way of knowing. I just saw this really beautiful girl. She just disappeared. His life would never be the same. me or you're dead what the hell was that your life's in danger you just take me to police okay i think this one's out of the jurisdiction at i want you to meet joe talbot where'd you get that my father gave it to me from beyond the boundaries of our dimension who signed off on your mission the queen they have come oh my god to reclaim an object have you hidden it perhaps you already have it is there anything that you didn't tell me about the crystal dad left for me i don't have time for this that has unimaginable powers I'm having a really strange feeling. They just landed in the ocean! What the hell is going on? We are the good guys. They're the bad guys. We have this. They want this real bad. Give me the scepter, Joseph. You wanna play, Joseph? All right, let's play. Dying for a lost cause seems to run in your family. Kill us. Don't bore us to death. Let's watch the world go to hell together. I can't do this alone. You can do it. One soul at a time. Looks like I'm just gonna have to settle for the scepter and the crystal. Guess again. Rutger Hauer, Josh Charles, and introducing Andrea Roth. Cross fire! You can count on 
Cross Worlds. Fucking Cross Worlds. It was one of those. Um, I I can't. I I think it might have been on. And maybe someone who is still obsessed, like with VHS, and that's all they watch. Um, let me know. <laughs> but I think this was on the Mortal Kombat VHS uh, with the trailer. Okay, I was like, I was like, like the whole movie is like a bonus. They just threw it on the Mortal Kombat VHS. <laughs> that's amazing. So I remember <clears throat> Dumb and Dumber had <laughs> the trailer for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and then Mortal Kombat had the trailer for Cross World. Um, <laughs> so that's originally how I uh, heard of the movie. And it was one of those things I, I don't ever remember coming to the theater. But uh, no, I remember it hitting. It was straight to video. Yeah. See, then that does, who, who released it? Because that doesn't then that I'm... would. That uh... would probably knock my. Um, oh gosh, it. it's on the f- Trimark. Yeah, Trimark. Oh, okay, so it yeah. definitely wouldn't have been uh, <laughs> New Line promoting the movie, so I'm wrong. Uh, I thought it was. So Trimark, which, oh, so Lionsgate owns this movie. Well, yeah. maybe we'll get a Vestron release. Um, so yeah, I I lied. That's not that's not how I remember the movie, <laughs> but um, that, was, that I, whole, but whole did, section was a lie, and it really interested <clears throat> me. I really, really interested me, and you know, I remember uh, the actor. Um, he was he played um, he played the boyfriend, the nice boyfriend, and don't tell mom the babysitter's yeah, dead. Uh, yeah, Josh, Josh Charles. Charles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also in so I remember night seeing and... him, of course, uh, Rigger Hauer and stuff like that. And then Andrea Roth was <laughs> in it, which, it, you know, Andrea Roth is still like acting, which is yeah. really badass. She was um, in The Collector in 2009. Yeah, she she's she's really great. But yeah, she's she's in it. Um, and it was just a just a fun uh, kind of like Highlander yeah. type thing going on. But uh, just just all around, just really really fun kind of sci-fi fighting um, shit like that. I, I just I just always enjoyed the movie, and it is one of those movies I could say it's definitely nostalgia over. You know, uh, is it good? Um, <laughs> but I think it still holds up to the point of being a fun action movie. Like I really necessarily wouldn't say it's for kids. You know, uh, I would, would say, we, we, <clears throat> I'd say it's very PG thirteen. I would definitely let let Danny and Jacob watch this for sure. Yeah, but I I don't know if it was something that was maybe tried to geared towards kids. Well, what I the one of the first things I thought of when I was watching this was this feels like a Moonbeam Pictures movie, but with adults, like the <laughs> Charles Van uh, Kids movie series. Like it's yeah. Moonbeam, but with with adults just that like outdoor adventure movie but everyone's grown up and rucker howard is there for some reason <laughs> yeah you know but that that's a good that's that's good because i always say that you know uh with charles band he made some of these movies that are it was weird because he was making like these uh fever dream sex movies and then he has his obsession with like little things then he made all these like family movies 
Cross Worlds kind of falls into that mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, that kind of uh, 90s action adventure. Uh, this is okay to you know let your kids watch movies. But I think that's that's part of it because that that hit me around that time, which I like stuff like you know prehysteria and you know fucking mm-hmm. Mac and me and and things like that around that time, which Charles Van was responsible for prehysteria. Wow. Um, but um. Yeah, it's it's just one of those one of those movies. So I I have a little bit like people like stuff from the eighties. They they really like you know fucking like Karate Kid and so I fucking hate those movies. Like I you know even stuff like you know I'm not a big fan of like stuff like Flight of the Navigator anymore. What? Like I loved I loved it oh. growing up, but I just I don't this, like I, this episode's it, over. It, it just it just doesn't <laughs> hit me. Like, you know, Karate Kid, like, I was just having a a conversation with my friends the other day, like, stuff like, you know, Dark Crystal, Legend, uh, Labyrinth, uh, Princess Bride. Uh, Princess Bride, I give, I can forgive. Um, Forgive. Yeah, well, it's it's sweet. It's a sweet, (laughs) sweet sweet movie. But, like, all those, like, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, I fucking can't stand those movies. You know, um, my shit that I ended up liking when i was kind of the 90s and it was really silly weird shit that i i really enjoyed (laughs) like warriors of uh warriors of virtue was something that uh that that got did sean you have to be with me on warriors of virtue Uh, i don't think i've ever seen warriors of virtue cool in this new world welcome to the other side you're really a newcomer ruled by fear i want him alive houston we have a problem he is the last hope to bring together five legendary warriors how's it going he is often a bit cranky who use the forces of nature as their weapons wood fire earth metal Water. Now, the battle against the ultimate evil. The answer lies with you. Is about to begin. Come out and Touchdown. I can't leave them. They need me here. You are invited to enter a remarkable world. Yes! Where nature is your weapon, but you are the ultimate warrior. Warriors of Virtue. Have you heard of Warriors of Virtue? I am not. Is it like uh, Power Rangers or something? Yeah, it's it's running off of that. But dude, <laughs> check out Warriors of Virtue. And they made a sequel to it, but it was fucking terrible. Um but yeah, it was just one of those things that that hit me and um I don't know, I've always I've always been kind of the kid that wasn't a fan of I guess I I started acknowledging, you know, stuff like uh you know, probably in my maybe about 15, 16, I started acknowledging a little bit more of, you know, filmmaking as a whole. And I, I guess I enjoyed the movies that seemed that they were harder to make on nothing versus money that was just overflowing to these, you know, big blockbuster movies. I'm still like that. 
Yeah. You know, I'd rather watch, you know, a bunch of indies and you could say, hey, you can never watch Infinity War Gauntlet. And I'd be like, all right, all right that's fine with me. I don't really ever care about seeing that movie. But no, it's just how I am. And it's, it's not I'm not trying to, like, be pretentious about it. It's just that it just doesn't appeal to me. And I, I, I think growing up, those movies, something like Crawl that I fucking still love. You know, like crawl really appeals to me because that movie was not probably easy to get off the ground, <laughs> but something that Jim Henson's a- attached to, of course. And I'm not saying those movies are bad by any means. I don't think Labyrinth or Dark Crystal Legend, uh, Willow, anything like that is bad. I'm just not a fan of. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being an old man and pretentious about it. I think you are. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I just enjoy the smaller movies. And Cross Worlds was one of those movies that always like hit me. I was like, man, this movie's a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I I like this. It's a very it's a very simple plot. I mean, you got this uh, this college kid uh, and his loser friends at a party. Uh, Jack Black making an early appearance. Uh, a lot of fun to see him. And, uh, of course, uh, in the process of this party, he sees this uh, hot-to-trot uh, blonde across the room with some knee-high boots and a skirt. And uh, she... Hot-to-trot? Yeah. <laughs> She's standing there. <laughs> uh, and, and he gets wrapped up, basically, uh, into this... Uh, into this... They're like... They shift through like uh, dimensions, I guess. They're like soldiers of some sort. He has a crystal that they need that goes into one of those, you know, one of those African uh, music in- instruments with like the big sticks that you can either, you can like go back and forth and it makes little sounds. Like, a didgeridoo? <laughs> a didgeridoo, oh. I guess. Uh, I thought it was a like stick. I don't know, but it looked like that. Um, and so the crystal, all the things like uh, all the, like the holes and little mar- <laughs> like marbles in them. I, yeah, uh, yeah. when I, when I very first heard one of those, like, I was like, oh my God. And then I just took it and smashed it because I wanted to see how it worked. <laughs> we used to make those in camp. We got to hammer nails into it and yeah. then fill them. Oh, that was fun. Well, this is obviously low budget because that's, these are the two, you know, things that are being sought out, right? Or he has this big stick and it needs this, this crystal and uh being pursued by a bad guy he needs the two to take over the world or the dimensions or whatever i mean it's very standard basic plot um i I i had a hard time getting through this but it was almost it was goofy enough for me and the the actors you know the you know josh charles uh, and Andrea Roth, and then of course, like whenever Rutger Hauer shows up, it's like, did he just get done drinking like a half a bottle of scotch and just wander onto the set or what? He is so <laughs> delightfully just... grumpy in this. My favorite <laughs> moment was like him and Josh Charles. He's just standing. He's like, "So you knew my dad? Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and apparently Josh Charles' character, like his dad, was wrapped up into this as well. So, um, but yeah, 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 this was a fun, uh, a fun watch. Um, unfortunately it wasn't you can't rent this in hd and it's a really bad um standard edition version where they tried to do like noise removal so you'll see like (laughs) a character move across the screen and you'll see like their ghost kind of follow along or some weird movement um but yeah this is one that i would love to see lionsgate you know clean up and put out on on their vestron thing 
a thirty dollar Vestron Blu-ray. Maybe not thirty dollar. This one, I, this one, yeah, this one. So, are you saying this is the movie, the definitive bucks. movie that fucking ended like Howard's career? Was it one of his last movies? I didn't, I didn't check that. Well, no, it's not one of his last movies, but. I mean, if he's I, not good in it. Like, he's if I very... remember correctly, like he didn't really have those movies that we know him from yeah. after that. Like everything that he did until like he hit it big again. Mm-hmm. I guess, right. like I, I, I guess, like the big thing that hit with him was like Sin City is kind of when he came back, and people were like, "Oh, yeah, fucking." Um, power let's let's resurrect him back and then he was like in batman begins and shit well both the shotgun yeah, yeah it definitely wasn't the prime of his career no i'm like looking through so. like oh my god <laughs> oh my god poor ruger hauer yeah well hobo with a shotgun for sure uh right brought him back when was that, was he in sin city you know, oh yeah sin city is cardinal yeah, yeah, he was in sin city. yeah so like i mean he was like in um like uh, that Omega Doom movie, uh, uh, Beyond uh, Beyond Justice. I mean, fucking split second. I mean, those movies weren't like huge, like you know, huge successes, but they were like really solid. Or uh, Deadlock, which I don't think they call it Deadlock anymore. I think they call it Wedlock. Hmm. <laughs> no idea. Seriously? That makes no sense to me. <laughs> the name changes well, no. make any sense to me. Do you remember that movie? Like they put the no. things around their necks in prison. <laughs> and if they go too far, they explode. No, they stole that from Battle Royale. Um, um no, Deadlock was like <laughs> from like the nineties. Shut up, Brad. Uh, dude, fucking Blind Fury. He plays that fucking blind guy. Yeah, with the fucking, yeah Blind like, Fury is great. Yeah, he, he has like a scream of six or something like that. I don't know what you're <laughs> supposed to call him anymore. We'll just say a scream of sticks. But yeah, he just fucking tears people up. Yeah, the Hitcher, Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, he definitely went through a valley after Power had this, like, huge fucking Mm -hmm. arc, like, you know, between, like, maybe, like, mid-80s to, like, you know, late or early 90s, where he just had this awesome fucking action career. And then, you know, like you said, he did Crossworlds, and then people were like, hey, let's cast this guy from all these action movies, and they're like, ew. He did Crossworlds <laughs> with Josh Charles. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Um, uh, but I, I don't know, man. It was just one of those movies that hit me when I was younger. And um, when we were talking about this, it was on uh, on Voodoo. And I watched it and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Like eating yeah. fucking Taco Bell like at midnight in my room. Watching <laughs> this, yeah, this is, a, this is a good midnight Taco Bell and cheap beer movie for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, it was I. I had never seen it actually. I had always. It's another one of those in the nineties. For I always saw it as uh, in the video store, but I knew it was direct to video, and I knew like with, when it came to direct to video to tread lightly at that time in my life. Uh, and so I, I never rented it, and uh, so it was fun kind of revisiting something that I've known about for all this time, but but uh, had never really watched it. So, but I mean, you know, it, it's fun. There's not really much more we can really dive into cross worlds unless you guys no, can no, I, kind of the same thing goes for blackout too it's just two of those <laughs> movies that i mean i like to talk about movies that didn't get a lot of play and those are two of them for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, no. i i thought it was a lot of fun 
Um, it was, I loved how aggressively 90s it was. I yeah. didn't know Jack yeah. Black was in it and say, Oh, this party's full of Bettys and there's ska <laughs> music playing yes. in the background. I was yes. like, I'm, I'm here for that. <laughs> and yeah, it had a little bit of a sense of humor without being a, an outright comedy. Like, I liked it when Josh Charles was like, I'm sick of your horses, I'm sick of your scepters, and I'm sick of your crystals. Like, it's that <laughs> kind of movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're I don't think we're writing it off. I think we're yeah, I think we're <laughs> we're saying it's some it's some fun. Try to think I'm about. sending you text messages. I know. I just I just saw you just sent me a picture of this uh, warriors whatever with giant bunny warriors. Dude, they're fucking like huge rabbits. <laughs> yeah, Steph right, would watch I'll, this I'll, before I'll you. To... I don't even know why I talked to you about this. Like, Steph, at least you're like, hey, you could watch this movie. It's weird. Steph right. will watch it like immediately. You, uh, dude, you, 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 you want to watch? <laughs> based on this pictures Infinity of warriors, based on this pictures of warriors of virtue, I'm in. If it's samurai rabbits, uh, dear God Almighty. Okay. Moving along, um, anyway, any 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 more words about Crossroads? I would definitely say this is like a like two bucks you can rent this on a dollar ninety nine you can rent this on Amazon um, Amazon streaming or whatever. I know it's a little more expensive, but you can own it for like five bucks the digital. Um, but I you know I would I would definitely be interested in seeing a cleaned up version of this. But uh, but yeah, if if if, if Lionsgate is going to charge thirty dollars for it, ah, uh, I don't know. There have to be some really good supplementals for me to spend that kind of money but it's it was a fun for two bucks like it's like, fun revisit. if they did like an hour and a half grumpy interview with Howard, yeah oh i would pay it for a commentary <laughs> oh my god yes and definitely. i you said you didn't think he was that great in it i thought he was because he was playing like a grumpy over it guy in the movie and i bought it <laughs> did you okay i bought it right on well maybe i maybe i just read it wrong but yeah, he's he's definitely yeah his character i guess is over it his character is living in is this character living in like a junkyard or they end up in a junkyard he's living somewhere not to be it's found. like he's in an airplane hangar he doesn't want <laughs> oh, anyone yeah, to right. so you're saying it was like that like Chappelle skit when people always said man oscar you're a grouch and he's like of course i'm a grouch i live in a fucking trash can <laughs> <laughs> so like no, yeah, hours like fucking groucho yeah, when we first meet him, he's in some, he's in some sort of hangar, but he's by, he's by himself, grouchy by himself. <laughs> All right, let's move into our feature presentation, 1990s, class of 1999. Ladies and gentlemen, the current situation in our high schools call for unusual measures. We are automation and robotic specialists. Meet the pride of Megatech. Good morning, students. We don't gotta do nothing, lady. Ah! Education and its finest. You get a note from the principal? Students have been beaten for minor infractions. Ah! Ah! Kill the enemy? Don't you think you went a bit too far? Those teachers are killing people, Chris. You just have a problem with authority figures. Oh, hey! 
they've been waging war with my students. Isn't that what all teachers do? I'm going in there to waste some teachers. Brad, you have been talking about Class of 1999 ever since we first started the Screamcast. And you've always said this is your favorite movie. You've always wanted this to be on Blu-ray. I mean... I own three this is copies a, of Class yeah, of 1999 you, on Blu-ray. <laughs> you buy everything on this. Uh, Stacy Keach, Malcolm McDowell, everybody. Keep I going. Mean, everybody's Keep going. in this. <laughs> Directed by Rose Mark McGowan. Pam Greer. Yeah, Pam Greer, which a lot of people do not like. I, it was it was cool because yeah, I didn't notice Rose McGowan for the longest time. She just has a quick bit, bit part in the movie. She didn't even have a line. I think uh, Josh, what Josh Miller actually could. uh, That's the cool thing about that. That um, the I would suggest revisiting our final girls episode if you enjoy class in 1999. Because I mean, Josh Miller, who wrote uh, Final Girls, who's in you know uh, Teen, yeah, Teen Witch, and he plays Angel in class in 1999. You know, he turned out being the the writer of the Final Girls and you know Queen of the South TV show. So it was kind of cool having him on the show because I actually got to say, hey, um, you know, this is one of my favorite movies. And I, you know, he on the show, he said, you know, him and Rose McGowan are very close friends. Mm-hmm. And this is the movie that they met on because she was a runaway and she was on the set and they became friends. And then she stayed at Josh Miller's house when he was little. Oh, like wow. she's. Yeah, it stayed in the spare bedroom. His parents like gave her a place to live in LA while she auditioned, and um, they grew up together. Still, really close friends. And I was like, "Holy shit, man, that's fucking awesome!" I didn't know, you know. But yeah, uh, Rose McGowan, she's just uh, she's I think in the detention room or something like that. Okay. So, uh, she sits. She's sitting down. Um, she's got like a little black beret on. She has no speaking role, but yeah, that's how um, uh, you know. Josh Miller's family, his parents like brought her in. Wow. Uh, yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of familiar faces. Uh, you'll see, uh, of course, Josh Miller. He had a lot of movies when he was, uh, younger. That's, um, uh, uh, father Clark is his, um, from the exorcist. That's his father. That's another cool little, uh, fact. Oh. um, uh, John P. Ryan, which is a very familiar face, which we just covered Star Time, so he's in that. John P. Ryan's like in every military movie in the fucking 90s. Um, <laughs> of course, Pam Greer, Miss Connors, Patrick Kilpatrick, which you may not know the name, but you'll definitely know the face. Uh, Malcolm McDowell, and then of course, there's some just other people that popped in there. Um, I'd probably like it's weird because I like familiarize myself with the cast so much, like I consider them like big stars because it's fucking class <laughs> nineteen ninety nine. So even like fucking Jason Oliver who plays Kurt, I was like, yeah, Jason Oliver, he's in fucking class nineteen ninety nine. Everybody's like, who? I was like, well, he's like in five other movies, but no one really cares about those. He just fucking plays. It was my favorite character growing up. 
was fucking Kurt in class of 1999. He really doesn't even do anything. He just shoots a bazooka into the fucking gate yeah. and he like takes over the block carts when Cody's gone. So, yeah. but like this movie, man, his, I remember the very first time I saw it, um, you know, back in the day when before there was fucking, you know, IMDB and all that shit, uh, uh, TV guide, um, the TV guide back in the day, uh, in the very back pages, they would list movies alphabetically that were playing on paid channels like HBO, uh, you know, Skinamax, uh, fucking Showtime, all that shit. And, uh, my mom and I would sit down at the kitchen table. This is a very beautiful memory I have of, of myself and my mom doing this is we would read each uh, synopsis because it would give a little synopsis and then it would give the time and date of the movie. And we would highlight the movies that we really wanted to see. And uh, we came across class in 1999 and it was like killer military robots in a school and immediately I was like, uh, yes. Why wouldn't you want to watch <laughs> that movie? Course. So, um, you know, it was, uh, during its HBO, uh, run. And I remember and we would tape, we would tape the stuff off HBO all the time, you know, cause that was you when know, it was early. So I would say this was like maybe 93, 94, somewhere around there. Um, that we would just started taping all these movies off HBO. So we had them. Um, so just a few, you know, a few, maybe a couple years, a few years after class of 1999 hit, uh, I think it was released the- theatrically, but not nowhere. Like it wasn't a wide release. Um, and I remember hitting record on, on the, the VCR and then just watching this movie and thinking, I want to be at that school like fucking fighting these teachers. Like I thought that was the, I thought that was the coolest fucking plot in the world. Still do. I'm like, I love like pitching. Like, Hey, have you seen class in 1999? And the typical answer, even now, like, I mean, for years it was always no, I hardly meet anybody that has seen this movie. And I'm like, all right, so it's two gangs that are fighting that military robots that are teachers are trying to, calm things down with this new government program they start killing the kids so the gangs get band together to kill the teachers at the school <laughs> that people's eyes like just widen they're like oh my god and i'm like yeah it's the, like how easy like that would the most easiest elevator pitch in the world <laughs> is the plot of that movie so um yeah, I just I remember watching it and just thinking, this is the most amazing thing. And I remember calling a couple of my friends over and I was like, hey, you have to watch this movie I found. And I just started at a very young age showing everybody I know, class of 1999. Um, I've seen the movie so many goddamn times. I know the script by like by heart. Um you know, I just I've always really enjoyed the movie, and there, there's there's multiple things about the movie that I, I really love, and I I love camaraderie still with unlikely people. 
um, you know, when cops and gangsters have to band together to overcome something else or another obstacle. And I love the relationship between, um, you know, even though it's very, very little, like it's very minimal, but it's just up with the script, the dialogue and the director and the editor making those little moments so great. Cause I mean, when we're very first put on the spot with, uh, Hector and Cody, you know, uh, their first, um, um, encounter is whenever Cody gets out of jail, Angel and, um, uh, Sonny, is it Sonny? Yeah. Sonny pick him up and Sonny has, his, uh, it's never really established what Sonny is to him, but Sonny's probably just a friend. And then Angel is Cody's little brother. And, you know, they, they're driving to school and they drive through Razorhead territory. So there's two gangs in the film. There's the Blackhearts, which is Cody's old gang. And then there's the Razorheads. And um, so they drive through uh, the territory. You're not like this is like like apocalyptic shit. Like gangs have taken over like every the world is a complete shithole. Kids aren't going. <laughs> kids still go to school, though. <laughs> which is funny, but that's mainly because there's this uh, program, um, you know, they actually have this national education defense system and they're making kids go to school. But like kids all carry guns because, you know, they're going to get fucking killed like after school. And, you know, it's two different gangs. They're still like your straight edge people that you know, are still going to school, but they probably have it the roughest. But anyways. So, um you know, fucking Cody like drives through and there's like this little stopping point because the fucking razor heads have the car set up and Hector's sitting there and, uh, you know, um, Cody pulls up and you know, he's, he does the, Hey, Cody. And uh, that always like, I love, I love that shit so much. So if I know anybody Cody in my life, I always say that shit to them. They have no idea what I'm doing though. Um, <laughs> and there's just that one little exchange. He's like, you know, you know, you're out of jail or whatever. And Cody says, yeah, he's like, you know, you should have been there. You would have liked it. And it's just like that little dig. Like he's not saying anything homosexual to actor, but he says you would have liked it. And fucking that's like the beginning of the interaction. And uh, I just I just love that scene when they're in the school together. Um, you know, Cody calls Hector out and they, you know, they they blow up. Kurt blows off the uh, gates and they go in there and, um, you know, right. But right before that, you know, he says, you know, they killed Angel. They killed Sonny. They killed Noser, you know, all that stuff. And and um you know, Co Hector says to Cody, he's like, you killed Noser. He's like, I didn't kill anybody. Like, these teachers are making us kill each other. And then he says to Cody, he says, if they're not in there, the war's back on. And then they're in the, I love that scene, man, when they're in the fucking school and everybody drives away, like they fucking go to the library and it's just fucking Hector and Cody. And Hector turns to Cody and says, you know, back in uh, junior high, man, you kicked ass. And um, Cody turns to Hector and says, yeah, I thought you were pretty bad yourself. And it's like right then that little moment is so heavy because it's like they're they're obviously like kind of respect each other. And now they're like friends. Yeah, like, they can finally and, admit it. Yeah. And like he's like, let's go, show, you know, show Miss Connors and then they go hunt down Pam Greer's character. 
but it's just like little lines in the movie. I, I think the script, I'm not going to say the script is amazing or anything, but there's just those little, little tidbits, little lines um, that make the movie really heavy. And there's like even the drama, like uh, with Cody's mom, you know, doing, they have this drug called Edge that they do, um, which looks cool, by the way. You know, the little like <laughs> little capsules, like, like what, like, I don't even know what that is. Like, how do you like inject that? Or in, I guess they inhale it through their nose. Um, but yeah, there's that little drug sequence where Angel has the edge and he throws some to Sunny. Um, and, you know, the mom's like coming out screaming that she needs it. And, you know, Cody like slams the beer bottle against the wall and he says, you're all fucking pathetic. Um, you know, it's just, it's like, just, I, I don't know, maybe it just hits me more because I'm such a fan of the movie, but I really do think, like, there's a lot of small little moments in the movie that are really, really powerful. Um, and, you know, make those uh, such charismatic characters. Like, everybody in the movie, even the teachers, the only person that you, like, truly do hate is fucking Stacey Keach's character, uh, just because he's just awful. He's just an awful person. But I, that's what you're supposed to do. But I fucking love the teachers, man. Like the one liners, yeah. like the comedy that's between them. I mean, <clears throat> God, like it's just it's just so great. Like everything about the movie is just it's just so much fun. I think this is the ultimate like movie that's just a blast like yeah. through and through. Like there's never a dull moment in the movie whatsoever. It's funny because like this idea of bringing in these teachers is like such a bad idea from the start, (laughs) you know, even like even the people who are kind of running the whole thing kind of maybe admit like, eh, this might not be good, but they still kind of go along with it. They feel kind of threatened by going along with it with, uh, who's, who's that character with, um, the white hair and the gray eyes. Dr. Forrest. Dr. Forrest. uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, Stacey Keach's character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, He's he's so unrecognizable. I feel like in that character, like that's that dude. He's super creepy looking, man. That character in the is is fantastic because he he's great. He's he's very iconic. Like uh, that that character for sure for me is very iconic in this in this flick. Yeah, and then um, with uh, with with the with the movie. Um, you know, another thing is, is that uh, you know, people maybe I think the only time that this movie got any notoriety is that when it was said that the, you know, after years and years after class of 1984 mm-hmm. became kind of this cult classic, it's like, oh, class of 1999 is, you know, this sequel that Lester made to class of 1984 because, you know, you have the it's it's kind of cool in the story arc with the with the movie is that you have this movie where gangs are taking over. Um, in class of 1984, so you have the teachers fight back, right? And now, you know, <laughs> the gangs have completely taken over, uh, and the teachers are fighting back, but it's fucking military robots. <laughs> like that's a, that's a big step, but um, you know, it's just it's really cool that years later, you know, that they, they made uh made this sequel. Um, and then they made a sequel to 99, uh, class <laughs> yeah. of 1992, The Substitute, which I don't really highly recommend that at all. It's directed by um, Spiro Razatos. <laughs> hey, but Nick Cassavetes is in it. Uh, Steph, what did you think wait, about Wait, wait, of- is that the, <laughs> is that the um, stunt guy? 
Nick Cassavetes? No, no, no. Spiro. Oh, Spiro? Nick Cassavetes is a son of... John. No, no, no. John I know Cassavetes. Nick Cassavetes, but, but I'm saying... Spiro. Spiro Rezatos. I don't know who he is. I just saw his name. That's the director. <clears throat> he's worked he's on like Fast and Furious the, 6 and yeah, dude, Bad dude, Boys 2. He's too. one of the biggest... I had no idea he directed that, but that dude, that's one of the biggest oh, yeah, stunt, he's stunt coordinator. <laughs> yeah, he's like one of Kong's the highly paid... Yeah, dude, he fucking did Maniac Cop, man. That's holy, that's amazing. So he yeah, directed we, I, Class like, of 1999 too. I had no, no idea. That movie still sucks, but yeah, Spear was like one of the biggest, like stunt, highly like dude. He's like when you watch Fast and the Furious movies, Vin Diesel's name doesn't pop at the end. It's fucking stunt coordinator, fucking Spiro, man. Yeah, like he's. He's like a big, 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 big deal in Hollywood. But anyways, yeah, I had Ste- no idea he directed that. Never paid attention. Stephanie, uh, what are your thoughts on Class of 1999? When, when did you first see this and uh, and all that? I hate following Brad's beautiful memory of it. I know, right? That's really cool. I, um, like for I me, I rented it on Netflix. <laughs> and I yeah, it. no, it's new <laughs> to me. <laughs> it's one I had heard of for a long time, but I never really got around to class of 1984 or class of 1999 and I'm kicking myself because they were both wonderful. Um, and like Brad said, it, it's probably, it's now probably one of my favorite sequel transitions to where the first one is really like, no, it's the children who are wrong. And this one's like, not nah, the kids have to step up, man, because the adults yet again, took it way too fucking far. <laughs> There's that, line i love it. it's like it's some fuck some kind of fucked up george jetson nightmare man <laughs> God. It's fantastic yeah line. it's like one of the worst worst lines in the I movie know. is uh some george jetson fucked up nightmare that cody says <laughs> and it's like oh no man the lines are so good in this movie why'd you say that <laughs> or yeah, it's but- like the 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 definitive moment where they realize that the um like what's going on is uh uh what's what's her what's her is her name dawn in the yeah dawn she i don't ever think they say her name but it's the the one woman that's with uh you know always with kurt is uh it's after like the first um encounter with hector and you know they call him the call him out to the school and it's like don't they spend enough time at school as it is and then cody like has the revelation that's it it's yeah, the why would they be at school? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, why would Hector go to school if he didn't have to? And it's like, wait a second. Can we figure out another way that we know the teachers are killing people? Because this is ridiculous. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, go go ahead. No, it's like you said, though. It's not like this. It's definitely, I mean, it's a movie about robot killer teachers. Mm-hmm. But it's very well written within the world. It does build. You're right. Like those little moments, uh, the character motivations always make sense and you can enjoy it on a surface level. It's really fun as explosions, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. But yeah, you buy into the characters. They, they build this cool little world that was slightly established in class of 1984, but this takes it so many levels beyond that. And there are like the the brother relationship I really loved in it. And I I love how they could go to really selling a tragic moment and then them opening up a refrigerator 
and there's only WD-40 <laughs> in the refrigerator. Oh, God, <laughs> Like, yeah. what's going on here? And it somehow hits all those different beats, but it, it always works. Um, yeah, it was- yeah. <laughs> forgot about the yeah because they, they open up the fridge and they, they have like all those like silver canisters and then they open up the cupboard and it's just a wall of wd-40 and cody's like i guess you gotta stay up on top of those pesky squeaks and it's like are <laughs> robot like are really cyborgs like spraying like their fucking kneecaps with fucking wd-40 I like guess. you're not even really supposed to use that as a fucking lubricant, but like that's like it's 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 one of those things that like the movie has so many cool and clever moments. Um, like like you said, Steph, like the motivations, the dialogue, the action. But every once in a while, like there's this like '80s like B movie shit that happens in it, like uh, Cody's like fucking scope on his Uzi. Like, why would you have a scope like on an Uzi, bro? Like, what are I you get doing? Real precise. You know, but to it's me, just this so feels many, very like... much like an '80s movie. I, I still can't right. think of yeah. it as being an because well, it, Cody... it came out in 1990, so obviously it was being filmed and everything right, yeah. probably in '88 or '89. '80s movie, yeah. and it has some like '90s tropes. It fucking has Nine Inch Nails in the fucking soundtrack. How yeah. badass is that? <laughs> but no, you know? Cody Bradley Gregg. He's Corey Feldman meets Sean Astin. Yeah. Ooh, Just, yeah, like, yeah. I never even thought about that, yeah. Which he's great in a lot of movies yeah. that he's in. I followed yeah, his career like, after this because I just loved him so much. But, I mean, fucking Fire in the Sky, he's really great. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, uh, you know, he's uh, a lot of fun in the, was it, uh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. He's the one that does yeah. the, down, uh, like, the strings, like the uh, marionette thing. or the, whatever. I still oh, look away three, during yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just, just just a lot of fun. But yeah, I agree with you, Sean, on that. Like, it is a perfect blend of kind of what '80s movies hitting the '90s. Like, yeah. there's not too many movies that have both, but there's just so many like weird like '80s like cheap move uh, B movie uh, tropes. And this movie was theatrical, and it had. I mean, this movie's fairly large. Like, there's a lot of it shit going really on. It's really good. The effects you know? oh, yeah. really yeah. impressed me, especially the climax. It was, it kind of felt like the climax of Terminator 2 meets Who Framed Roger Rabbit <laughs> to me. <laughs> the effects were done by uh, uh, Eric, is Eric Allard, and I believe his brother, um, Tony Allard, and they have a company that they've done, like, Stuart Little, but they've done like um, Short Circuit, Alien Resurrection. They've done a lot of huge movies. Yeah. And uh, Virus. <laughs> they were involved with that. Especially oh, man. There's, there. uh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, because that's Virus is very class tonight. I always thought yeah. that I didn't know that they were compared. Uh, yeah. They worked on that. But yeah. Strange Days, Waterworld, all, all that stuff. It's a million dollar budget movie. Like they had yeah. money to make this and they used the money wisely. But yeah, there's a lot of like cool, like, special effects i mean they have a chase on a major highway you know um even though they like hit the car it's very much like terminator 2 is when um you know edward furlong uh, uh, you know john's dirt bike is hit by the semi but it doesn't go anywhere yeah it's the same thing happens in fucking class in 1999 it's like james cameron saw it and was like yes Mm-hmm. A bike wouldn't go anywhere <laughs> if you slammed into it with a car, but I'm going to do it with a semi. 
Um, but yeah, it's like Cody Culp would have went fucking flying <laughs> if they fucking hit him. <laughs> like they hit, like they sideswipe him, and it's like no, 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 no. That's not how that works. But yeah, it, there's just so many fucking fun moments, and I mean, even the the like the corny stuff, it it still it yeah. still works because it just hits that. Uh, it doesn't you know, take you feel. out of it. Yeah, it's just it's gives just a, a little personality. And yeah. I love that between class of 1984 and class of 1999, they did a British McDowell exchange program. You had Roddy <laughs> in the first one and Malcolm <laughs> in this one. I don't know if that was on purpose, but I appreciated that. I'll believe it's on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love, I love the eight, like 80s punks for me. Like they can't hold a candle to any of these gangsters going on today. But like, there's something about the fashion and everything about these '80s punks that uh, I wish happened more today in in movies, especially. But uh, the whole aesthetic of of them, you know, class of 1984, then class of 1999, like class they keep, of they keep high that going. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the uh, you know dangly earrings and mohawks and like their their fashion sense. You know what I mean? Like we're gangsters, we're punk rock. We're, but we're going to make sure we look really cool as we're shooting these Uzis <laughs> and, and, and rocket launchers. Fucking Kurt has a rocket launcher like a motherfucker. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, and the one, the one thing that I do love about the movie that isn't really focused on a lot with, with, with people is that um, going back to the eighties, every time Cody kills a teacher, he has a one-liner because <laughs> he, he yeah. blows up Miss Connors and he says, I blew that course. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Harden, because he's the history teacher. He says, your history, Mr. Harden, which is the best line <laughs> ever because you have to pay attention to the curriculum that Harden <laughs> teaches to get that one. And then have a nice stretch coach when he kills Bryles. Mm. Uh, like I'm just like, oh man, it's so fucking good. But the the real clever one is the history teacher. Your history, Mister Hart. Yeah. No, it's, it's and I was like, great. oh my fucking god, and it's so good. To, and talk about the worst weapon. Like who decided? Like, hey, we'll give um you know Bryles a fucking missile launcher in his mm-hmm. arm. You know, Miss Connor's gonna have a fucking flamethrower. Hey, what does this one have? Oh, we'll just have him have a drill. Yeah, a very short yeah. drill. I, I thought about that too. I was like, man, that's like he has, it's, he has to be close range. He has to come right up to somebody and drill their head or whatever member he has a grip on. Yeah, he has like yeah. that claw. And yeah. fucking Kurt, man, of all people, man, Kurt's got to fucking die by that shit. <laughs> um, but it's Tragic. it's a really like it's a like that's one of the um, the scenes that was uh, cut a lot from is that when that because I, I mean we do see the drill penetrate his uh yeah. his forehead and his skull but yeah, yeah it's such an emotional thing man fucking kurt's like god damn like he has like, that great thing he's like gripping onto the arm and he's like you son of a bitch god damn you and it's like that's fucking heavy man i don't want to yes. see kurt die yeah, it's a pretty. That's a pretty. Actually, surprisingly for me, rewatching, I was like, that's a pretty yeah. powerful moment. <laughs> this movie. Yeah, know. like it's like it's a really like it's earned, you know you have you know? those lines when people are dying or something, but like his is like you know like really like I I get emotional with it because I fucking love love the movie and I, I like love these characters that have just on screen time like fucking Flavio when he's like he's just you know 
part of the razor has just walking around Hector all the time, but like he fucking, you know, dies just out of nowhere. Uh, he has a really cool death though. with the fucking <laughs> Bryles shooting him with a fucking rocket. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's just everything about the movie, um, hits me on, on a level. And I'm, I know that a lot of people probably won't feel that. It's just one of those, I don't know why it's so, so special. I mean, I, it's, dude, I, I, you know, like I discovered a lot. a lot of movies with my mom, but I, I don't know. There's just, there's something about it that, uh, like I, I really wanted that to happen. Maybe in a, <laughs> maybe in a different life, but I really wanted like teacher robots to take over and then have to band together with friends to fucking you know <laughs> I think we all save well, the school. There's a satisfying guilt free thing to blowing up robot teachers because you're not killing humans. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's very smart. Well, it's the same thing as like Dawn of the Dead. You know, it's like man, I wish zombies took over so I could just hang out at a mall and like steal <laughs> shit. <and> fucking <laughs> kill myself. You know, so um, it's just like living vicariously through them. But um, <laughs> that's true. It is a good teenage fantasy fulfillment movie. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's I think that's what it was with uh, class of nineteen ninety nine. And um, you know, there's always that satisfaction for everybody. You know, it, it's in it, people take it the wrong way sometimes, but it's it's liking something that no one else knows or discovering something yourself, even, you know, you discovered a movie and then you mention it people and no one knows what you're talking about. And it's always, that's fulfilling. That, so you can show somebody something. Yeah. And that was all, this was one of those movies, um, that I would consider, uh, cause I mean, there's a lot of movies that I fucking know about that I could introduce, but are they as great as class 1999? No, but everybody I've shown this movie fucking loves it. And that's the thing about, um, finding something, so good that's unheard of um you know I'm, and i'm talking about years here i'm not talking about recently because everybody knows the movie now for yeah. any 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 of the, no, you know for a while it people. was yeah for a while it wasn't because it was just on the dvd and the dvd was pretty good but um i mean that's right oh, it took it, years but, for that dvd man it came yeah. out the same time as slaughter high did on dvd yeah. and that was a big day for me yeah. I think they both came out very, uh, very close together. Yeah. Um, well, we need to, we need to, start, I was loved it. We need to start wrapping up, uh, here. So, um, it's the best day of my life and you cut it. I know. Sorry. Yeah. I know. Cold. <laughs> so no, but what, did, what I wanted to ask you, Brad, I mean, now no, that it's out dude, on Blu-ray, interview me. interview me. Now that it's out on Blu-ray, compared to everything else you've owned, were you happy with this release? Because it was, you know, yeah, yeah, no, video it, pri- it, the, the pricey. It's, yeah, it's the best it's ever looked. Um, I, the only thing I disagree with, um, that I thought they didn't do, uh, you know, this isn't a stick at like red shirt or something, because um, I'm sure there's budgetary constraints to what you can do, but um, the interviews on the on the disc are really bad because mm. they're not um mm. like everybody uh like uh, uh brent brent fraser plays flavio um um uh the girl that plays jill gatsby who plays dawn um justin oliver who plays kurt uh bradley Gregg, um all those people other than um the guy who plays Hector, because he he died unfortunately of like complication of AIDS uh, after the movie, but um, you know everybody like fucking Pam Greer, Patrick Kilpatrick, John, uh, oh I guess John P Ryan is passed, but I mean there's a lot of people in the film that right, right. are that that are smaller that 
are open to doing interviews because I've actually, since I'm, you know, this weirdo, I've actually uh, friended a lot of these people on Facebook and talked to them about the movie. Like even fucking Jill Gatsby, you know, um, that plays Dawn. I mean, I've messaged her about the movie too. Um, But one thing that is super cool uh, about it is Mark Lester is very appreciative of people that love this movie because apparently this is one of his favorites that he's done. And, you know, this isn't a small, like a no name director too. I mean, at the time, fucking Mark Lester was kind of a big deal. Fucking fucking commando and shit. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, big, uh, big trouble, uh, showdown, little Tokyo. I always say big trouble, little China before I say showdown. <laughs> little Tokyo. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I, I mean, as far as the picture is concerned, yes, it's the best that's ever looked. Um, the best before that was a Japanese DVD, which was uncut was uh, actually the best, uh, transfer. Um, and then, uh, Germany released it and they did an upscale of the DVD, which looked all right. Um, so yeah, I've owned like, I think maybe like 10 different, uh, formats and versions of it. And this is definitely the best. So it's d- well worth the money as far as like, if you had to rebuy something from Lionsgate, cause I know that they're pricey and, um, you know, you have certain movies that are just like, Wishmaster or something like that. It's just not a very good, <laughs> not a very good transfer. Like, are you going to yeah. spend? I mean, you, I know you get the collection with that, but I mean, there's a couple other ones other than you know maybe Chopping Mall. Yeah, uh, Lionsgate's doing the new transfers, but some of the other stuff like fucking Chud, just buy it on Voodoo or something. Yeah, um, well, I, I'm, I'm but excited yeah, this one. Their new oh, run, ahead. like Dagon, should be pretty wor- well worth the money if they, if you know, uh, if they play the cards right. And then um, the uh, Beyond Re- Reanimator, you know, those are things I'm looking for that I would like. Oh, I'd buy that. But yeah, they're uh, some of these. Yeah, you know, it, it, you had to wait till the the price goes down before you would even think about buying it. But sometimes you can find these for like fifteen bucks, maybe. I know that Chud too. Yeah, eventually it'll come down. But I mean, yes, spending the extra money on a Lionsgate Blu-ray, I don't really um, suggest. But with this one in particular, not because it's you know one of my favorite movies of all time, um, but the transfer is uh, the best. So if you're going to watch it for the first time, definitely, definitely pick that up because the DVD (laughs) DVD they did is not uh, very good. It's the same transfer on that like nine pack that they released. Versus the single disc. It's just a really shoddy transfer. Um, so it's nice to see uh, a new scan of it. Very cool. But, um, yeah, just wish there was a little bit more special features with it with some of the no names. Yeah. Um, you know, just because like those people are very proud of the movie and that was a big deal for them. You know, some of these people, this is the biggest movie they've ever done. You know, being on set with fucking, you know, Keach and McDowell. Like, you know, that I mean, Malcolm McDowell alone being in the movie, but being in a movie with Malcolm McDowell, even though they didn't really act with him, you know, he was is very contained what my Malcolm McDowell's acting was because he doesn't really have a big role in the movie uh, as far as like uh, with other people, I should say, you know, because he just mainly interacts with Stacy Keach and the teachers. Right. Um, I, I, I saw his name. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, he's in this. Like, I couldn't even remember him being in it when I, when I pop this in the other day so 
Very awesome. Um, well, you can grab this Blu-ray through Grindhouse Video. Go to grindhousevideo.com and grab that there. We need to wrap up. So uh, is there any last words on uh, Class of 1999? Oh, I could go another three hours, but you know. <laughs> Stephanie, Dude, how about the ending song, though, by Mitcher? Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. When they're coming from the fucking fire <laughs> of the school and, like, Cody and... Badass. And, yeah, and that introduced me to Tracy Lynn, too. This is the movie that, that did that, where I recognized her. And um, she was always, like... I was like, man... Fucking Cody. <laughs> fucking hooking up with Tracy Lynn now. <laughs> but, um, yeah... Right on, but yeah, it's just, right. it's just it's just it's just a fun fun movie. So I highly suggest it for everybody. I don't have final words on that one, but I have a quick one for Blackout that I oh. feel bad about not oh. mentioning. Okay, Michael Beck is in it. Oh Swan shit, from yes. Years and Xanadu, and I have oh. a creepy crush on him. He is in Blackout, so it is oh. worth seeing if you're a Michael Beck completist. <laughs> he's he's, awesome. he's like he looks like the definitive like what you would think of as a man. Yeah, and like, he still looks amazing. Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing is like he like even something as like Swan, like from the Warriors or something. He has just his like his jaw structure and his hair. It's mm. it, you get very jealous yes. from from that guy. But yeah, <laughs> Michael Beck is great in it. Yeah, he doesn't get enough props because he he was in a quite a few like cool movies and they just kind of like disappeared, you know. So, but awesome. anyways. All right. Um, well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Screamcast. I want to thank all of you for listening. Of course, head over to thescreamcast.com and you'll find us uh, more episodes there. You'll find our uh, sponsors. Just click on uh, the sponsors link. And, uh, you know, of course, Coffee Shop of Horrors. If you like coffee, grab some coffee from them and use our code SCREAMCAST. you get 10% off of your order. Make sure you always check with GrindhouseVideo.com for all of his new stuff. He Follow him on Facebook, too, because when he has stuff coming in, he'll let you know about it. You can get things pre-ordered early, and you can most of the time get your releases two weeks before they hit, hit other stores. So please check them out. Music, of course, by Wolfman of Mars. And our look is done by Kevin Spencer. Also, if you would like to support the show, become a member of Club Scum, patreon.com slash scream underscore cast, or just click on Club Scum on the website. Club Scum. Like, subscribe, all that bullshit on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and yada, yada, yada. Uh, we want to thank all of you guys for listening and Who reading and all that stuff. Who the fuck uses Google Play? Uh, some people oh, do. Android. People- People with Android phones, uh, I guess, need My bad. Google My bad. I Beloved listeners very... use it, okay? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't I alien. love Android. I, I didn't know what Google Play was. I apologize. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Um, and last but not least, if you'd like to support the show, uh, we have merchandise. Got mugs and stickers and magnets and all the good stuff. Go to click on the store link on thescreamcast.com or you can go to screamingpods.com click on shop and uh, there'll be stuff there um, some fun stuff if you want to help support the show that way and of course while you're there check out all the other fantastic shows over on the screaming pods network such as the sov pod the sov pod splat house just the discs by brian sour you can't sit with us uh new show psych psychotronic coast to coast they dive into some pretty fun and wacky flicks there uh, and all the other shows on there. Uh, 
Oh yeah, uh, and my my sci-fi podcast, uh, Zetopod from the year five thousand. Well, there's some really great plugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, that's what do it for the screencast. We'll talk to all of you guys next time. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.